This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. Do you like this music, Ashley? Yeah, it's pretty good. You like this music, Ashley? We're still trying to find what kind of music Ashley likes. It's kind of becoming an ongoing gag of the show, is what kind of intro music will Ashley approve of? Yeah. I feel like this is like cartoon music. It sounds like it's from Charlie Brown. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll drop some other. I, I gave Jason a little preview at the end of last week's episode for some outro music, so uh, we'll try some different stuff out at the end of the show. See what Ashley likes, what she's into, <laughs> so she won't tell us her genre of choice. But how's everybody doing this evening? This beautiful, Good, beautiful Thursday evening. Good, thank you. I got the uh, I got the bell. So we're ready to go. Yeah, you, you, posted, you posted that. I was like, uh-oh, yeah. why, why is there going to be a bell on when I'm talking? I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> well, last week, Heather said that I needed to get a bell because I had a bell sound effect that I used, but they insisted that I have a real physical bell, so I got one. So I'm ready to go. Yes. Yeah. But then we were talking about how you need to build a stand for it so it's in the frame, and that way we can see you go wham, and yeah. it'll be much more satisfying for you. And more dramatic. Time. I like that idea. I'll I'll work on that. It probably probably won't be next week, but get one of them. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, You'll have like a, a bell pedestal. <laughs> oh no, I could get a gong. Boom. Wow, this is serious. This is escalating quickly. We should probably talk about recovery instead of talking about random instruments for me to put on my desk okay (laughs) (laughs) well you want to talk recovery let's talk recovery welcome randy hey guys um my name is randy beard i'm about here in maine and i was a person with substance use disorder i was unhoused and i battled mental health issues my whole life for over 35 years so I'm coming up on the 24th. I'll be three years, my three years celebrity. Um, I'm happy every day morning that I wake up and I'm happy every night when I made it through another day and go to bed. And I'm here to, whatever anybody wants to talk about, I'm here. And I've been through it all and I feel I can help at least one person and that's my goal. So thank you for having me. Thanks thank for being for here. Coming. So are you part of me rap? I am. I'm part of them. I'm an organizer for the main recovery advocacy project. I'm also the founder of recover together, which is a Facebook group. I'm also an organizer for the me rap inconclusivity caucus because I'm native American. Plus I come from an interracial family. My sisters, I call her Jamaican. She's Jamaican. Um, so the IC obviously substance use, is really hard on people with inconclusivity areas. Um, up here, we have a big Native American area and most of the people are on reservations and it runs rampant through there. There are no funds for it. 
we have no detox bed we have no we don't have anything and um like main care or if you don't have your own insurance or you don't have money you ain't getting in unless you have a group that's willing to help raise money for you and that's a sad fact it has a lot to do with ever since covid the nurses aren't around as much as they used to be so it shut down a lot of facilities and but we don't we don't have a third of what we need and like i'm sure most of you know if somebody reaches out to me and says randy i'm i'm ready i'm ready to go to detox help me out and i'll call every detox and they'll be like i can't get him into the morning 95 percent chance if i can't get that guy in right when he called he ain't gonna want to go in the morning exactly you yeah. and that's that's very frustrating because somebody reaches out to me and i don't ever not want to reach back you know i, I want to pull somebody out i call it quicksand because the more you struggle the faster you sink mm. yeah it's yeah that window of opportunity that window of opportunity will snap shut and you never know when it'll open again yeah and hopefully they make it through the this time that they fall off with xylazine being and everything right now we've trained everybody on how to use naloxone and narcane and get everybody ready and save lives that way but now xylazine's running rampant it's a trank dope it's an animal tranquilizer um it's in almost there obviously there ain't no heroin no more it's either fentanyl trank dope or whatever else they decide to put in it and xylazine it's an animal tranquilizer which is a respiratory tranquilizer so naloxone and narcane don't even touch it you can narcane somebody 15 times it's not going to help the only thing you can do is give rescue breaths. That's wow. it. That's the only thing you can do. And it's everywhere right now. It, remember that name. I, I just went off because we're, I really got upset because Maine's starting to catch on that, that fentanyl problem. So I was like, well, maybe now that you're catching on to fentanyl, I'm proud of you, but why don't we try to get ahead of the battle? When you win a war, it's because you get ahead of the curve, not fight from behind. So I, I'm trying to educate everybody on xylazine because it's gonna it if everybody thinks fentanyl is bad, it it's nothing compared to what this stuff is. I so too. Well, I mean, if there's yeah, there's no way to reverse the overdoses. Yes, I mean, they have to find some they obviously maybe some chemist has to start figuring out some way to reverse that tranquilizer. You know? Yeah. Because I up here in Maine, like I, I volunteer at the Cozy, which is the church of safe injection. Um, um, I don't use harm reduction, but I preach it. And um, I go through and I teach everybody how to use naloxone. I teach everybody how to properly do everything, you know, and, but I mean, I can teach people how to give CPR, you know, but you're not supposed to give chest compressions for xylazine. Well, how, unless you know, unless you know the person has no pulse whatsoever, you are not supposed to give chest compressions. It's pizza for heart, right? Yes. And, I mean, if you're in the middle of, I'm sorry, if I, if somebody goes out, the odds are I'm probably high, and I'm going to be amped up enough as it is. I got to think all this stuff, you know, and um, it, it's it's a serious issue. Maine just passed because I'm part of the Maine Recovery Advocacy Project, which actually said we just sure. passed we just passed the best Good Samaritan law in the United States. Um, we when we went to go into the vote. We only had 40% that was willing to vote with us out of the state house and the representatives. We called every single state house member and representative member and changed every single one of their minds. And then the governor said, no matter what, I don't care. I'm vetoing it. 
by the time that vote came through, she had called the person, Courtney Allen, who is our top of our recovery advocacy project and said, I'm willing to compromise. So we completely changed 60% of the vote in the governor's mind. And we now have the best Good Samaritan law in the United States. If anybody does any kind of advocacy, you should look it up. It protects anybody in, it, it don't matter if you're in a trap house. It does not matter. You, as long as you are rendering aid. So say I go out, Ashley, you're call, you're giving me Narcane. Brett, you're calling 911. Jason, you're, you're getting Ashley some water because Ashley's getting nervous. All you have to do when the police officer comes through the door and says, I'm rendering aid. As long as you don't have any violent crimes against women or children, murder charges, and one other, I don't know. I know Michael Paddleford's here. Michael has it all in his. There's three things. And as long as you ain't involved in those three major things, you cannot be arrested. No matter what. I could have a pocket full of drugs. As long as I'm trying to help save a life, that's the bottom line. I was willing to go to jail with these drugs in my pocket, being high. But I chose to stay here and save this person's life. Right. And they can no longer arrest you unless you have one of those three things. And it's big. It was a big step for me. Yeah. Good job. I Good heard a bell. Ding for me, Rob. I'm a big fan. Yes. And like when I was telling you about when I did my first Black Balloon event um, last year. And I, like I said, I was, I, I'm not going to lie. I was a crack dealer. And I had been out of jail for roughly a year and I sold drugs to protect my habit. And as soon as I got high, I figured out another way to get high again. But when I was doing the Black Moon event, I didn't know any of these people. And Courtney oh. Allen and me rap was there. They were tabling at the event. And Courtney came up, oh, sure. introduced herself to me and said, you're coming to Las Vegas with us. And I was like, I'm going nowhere. And it's the best thing I ever did was listening to her and her talking me into going to Las Vegas because I learned so much. I learned so many great allies and advocates and just any question I have, I can put in my group now or I can reach out to other allies and advocates from MIRAP or from different groups. Because now Recover Together has over 60 subgroups in it. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. You know, I I am so pleased with what has happened with that. And I'm, I don't say me my or I, I never do. It's we are and us. Yeah. So that's right. Like when they tell me to do my pronouns, he, him, his, I'm like, no, it's we are. Yeah. yeah. So. I love that, dude. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. I'm part of the recovery advocacy project too, man. Uh, down in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. When trying to build, back. trying to build a bigger team already. I have people all the time because I have there's people from all over the United States now in my group and people say you know I'm from Minneapolis what can I do to help and I tell them I give them Garrett Hayes email and say see if there's yep. a, a recovery advocacy project because I think we're in over 40 states now yep so I mean that's it that's what you do you just give them the recoveryvoices.com yep. uh, you know give them that and tell them to sign up EJR, JR Weaver, either my group, either either South Carolina uh, Recovery Advocacy Project. Florida Rap. Yep. It, it is. It's a wonderful thing. And Ryan Hampton's absolutely, if you've never heard of Ryan Hampton, or even if you have, he, he's an author. 
he wrote a book called Unsettled, which was against Purdue Pharmaceutical. He is the main reason the United States was willing, able to sue Purdue Pharmaceutical and the millions and billions of dollars that got distributed throughout the United States is a direct reflection of him. He worked in the White House under the Clinton administration and the guy is phenomenal. I cannot say enough good things about him. And when I met him, when I was in Vegas, I met him for like, I said, hey, can I get a picture with you? So, I mean, I took a picture. So it was like three seconds, I knew the guy. And a year later, I messaged him on Facebook and said, you know, we're, I'm doing Black Balloon event and I really, I'm going to do some awards. And I think Courtney Allen deserves an award and I'm going to name it the Jesse Harvey Award. Because Jesse was such a big advocate in Maine. He's probably the biggest ever. And Courtney was his protege. And Jesse and Ryan Hampton worked together. And I said, I'll pay for you to come up here. I'll pay for your motel. And he said, I remember you, Randy. And I'll pay for my own way. Thank you. I, and I was, I was blown away that the guy even remembered. I met him for like three seconds. And he came up, he flew up here for our Black Moon event. And he helped, he was one of the reasons that the Good Samaritan law passed. We had a bunch of representatives and political people there. We had rappers. It was wonderful. We, we had a yeah. good time. We made something good out of something very sad. It's awesome, bro. It's amazing. It Ryan amazing. is one of a kind. He's come to Florida for some stuff too. Yeah, so. and I believe he's going there for the Mobilize, which starts, and he's not. Because no, I know. No. He just came here last week for the governor's opiate summit because he came back because he liked how Maine was in the winter. He wanted to see how it was in the summer. So he came back for the governor's opiate summit last week. But we have Rosie Greenberg, who's probably one of the best speakers. Anybody who could stand in front of a thousand people for 10 hours and not break once, like stumble or anything, is phenomenal to me. Yeah, She's Rosie very is elegant. Awesome. She can speak eloquently, very understandable. I mean, she had obviously Ivy League education. And the other guy is, um, I don't want to get his name wrong, Green, the, the poet. Oh, Joseph Green. Yes, Joseph Green. He, I seen him in Vegas and his poetry is powerful, powerful stuff. So them two are coming up to Maine on September 9th because me, Raph's doing our Mobilize on September 9th. Awesome. Oh, yeah. well, I'm excited about that because I met both of them down in Vegas. Like I said, I met some wonderful, wonderful people while I was in Vegas that I will forever be grateful for. Me and Ashley were there, man. I, I think that's when I met Ashley, honestly. I think we did meet. And you, um, who was the other? Michelle. <clears throat> Michelle something. But we were in a, one of From the Illinois? Break yes. We were in one of the breakout tables and we had to tell our story in like three minutes. You know, and I I started telling mine, and I had never told anybody my story, never. And I started crying, and uh, I asked to leave the table. I felt bad. I couldn't stay there. I was still a street tough guy. I was just out of prison, and I wasn't going to cry in front of anybody. And now every time I speak and tell my story, I cry like a little girl. I do. And it honestly, it helps me. And I think people are more relatable to it because they all want to break down and cry in their own lives yeah there's healing to be had man. that's what i mean if you cry it's because you needed to there's when you're vulnerable like that there's healing you know especially if it's in a safe space like we had when we did those small groups yep. at mobilize and we had the uh 
you know, narrative coaches with us and all of that to guide us. It was to have that safe space to open up uh, and be validated and, and, you know, just it, it's powerful, man, you know? Yep. And the strongest thing I did was I came back to that table. There you you go. And I did. And I finished my story. And it was Michelle Marie. I remember it, it well was, done. It, it was. And it, and as soon as I did that, it like changed my, cause that was like either the first or second day we were there. It was early in the, and then after that, the rest of the, I just enjoyed every moment of it. I absolutely did. Yeah. It yeah, felt Marshall. like, Marshall like from me, Rap was my narrative coach. Marshall, Marshall's one of my best friends. Marshall's on the inclusivity caucus with me. Yeah. And we, I was supposed to be in an IC meeting tonight, but I was moving all day and I knew I was coming to this. So I wanted to get as much done as I could before this started. But Mar- Marshall is, he, he runs what's called Hope Brokers now, but he's never ending. The guy does not stop. He's amazing. Yeah. We do. We have a wonderful group up here in Maine. And I mean, these people, I never, I could say I never had family. You know, I, Never really did. And um, that's what my group is. I call everybody family. Um, and the people from me rap are my brothers and sisters. And I'm like the big uncle, I guess. I'm the old guy that made it through the rough time. But um, but we look out for each other. If we notice one of us hasn't checked in, or if we just see a common post that don't look good, we call each other. Or we... We messed it. We, we do. And now 2,700 people in my group are all doing that. It's like, oh, okay, my phone don't stop. Like I walk, ding, 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 ding. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I answer every single message personally, every single one. And I think that's why it's so good. And because we take the time to deal with every person's problems. Yeah. And it's a group, you know, every one of us. Say, Ashley, you say you having a bad day, you're trying to get your kids back, and how do you go about doing it? We got a whole bunch of people already been through it. All you have to do is post it. You can post it anonymously. You can post with your name, however you want, or you can message me, and I can make the post for you anonymously and tell you just to watch the comments. I'll say I'm posting it now, and then you can watch the comments. And literally, within minutes, you got 50 answers. It, it's absolutely a beautiful, wonderful thing. And... I couldn't be more proud of the group we have. We went from, and we're the we're probably the only one that's not we're not nonprofit, um, and we do everything. And that just shows me even more. You know, we don't get grants, we don't get no funding, um, and it just shows that we want to make a difference. People are doing it from the heart, and they really care. And they really want to change. Like one of our side groups are for parents who have lost children. No parent should have to outlive their children. I do not care. I've never experienced it. God willing, I would never have to. Because if something happens to my daughter, people are going to be hurt. And then I'm going to die. And no parent should have to. So I kind of connected all them parents together. And they look out for each other, you know. It, it, I, yeah, that's the one that really gets me. So I at least make sure once a month, like I do what's called a thought of the day. You know how we have 
NA, uh, different days, or AA different days, um, mm -hmm. the four tradition, you know, they'd all do different books. I'm writing one that's called The Thought of the Day. And I'm and I take the thought of the day right from the front lines of recovery, homelessness, and mental health. Like today was about incarceration. <clears throat> and I took incarceration straight on. It's only a couple paragraphs. And then I end it with by saying how I feel about it and what we go through as people with substance use disorder and people with mental health. I mean, and obviously for the last hundred years, jail hasn't helped prostitution, theft, drug use. Um, it's not working. Arresting people is not working. And Maine's, we're fighting. That's one of the things we're really getting into is, you know, we got to find a better way because throwing somebody in jail, we just had three overdose deaths in the last two weeks inside jail. People that were in jail and, and drugs got smuggled in and they died because they were never checked on. So it really set a fire under that part of the advocacy. So we, we have a, an emergency meeting tomorrow on that. And now I'm part of another group. So I'm a person. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to say, God, Carrie Morissette, she absolutely helped save my life. And she succumbed to this disease and mental health. And um, we had a memorial for her two months ago, month, month and a half, almost two months ago. And I hashtagged carry on with her, the way her name spelled K-A-R-I. And the day, the night before her memorial, my friend Eddie overdosed. And me and my friend Zoe Marie had been going for two weeks straight, getting this memorial ready, like nonstop, like 21 hours a day for two weeks. And we didn't want anything to be wrong because Carrie was the heart and soul of our recovery community. And so we didn't want nothing to go wrong. And we did it up on the Eastern Promenade, which is probably one of the nicest views in the United States. And I found out at one o'clock in the morning that my lifelong Freddy, friend Eddie had overdosed and died. And I wanted to give up. And I showed, but I still went and, because I didn't want to let the people down. I went and brought all the tables. I got all the food. I got all the microphones, all the speakers, all everything set up because we had a bunch of auctions. We were raising money for the family to help pay for the coverage of cost of the funeral and stuff. And I wanted to quit right there. I wanted to drive two blocks away where I used to get my drugs and go get by and be done with it. And to see the love that showed up that day and the support. And when I started talking, I just said, I will carry on for the rest of my life. I will never not stop being the voice of every person that we've lost. And I, the first Black Moon event, nobody knew me other than the people who bought drugs off me. And I t told everybody that day, I said, uh, you know, whatever person's name that you lost, that you're here representing, that name will never be forgotten in Maine. It will never be forgotten. And as long as I'm breathing, I will scream their name every single day. Every day that goes by, we will get louder. Here I am 17 months later and I'm on your show. You know, I was talking in front of a thousand people at the Governor's Opiate Summit two weeks, a week ago, I got invited to Vegas. Ever since this, I will not stop. 
and I do not care what platform we have to take it to, we will. I was invited to speak at the president's or the White House Zoom. You know, I, I, got, I was like, how the hell did they get my friend? But I got to speak. <laughs> I got to speak to um, who was the NFL player from the Oakland Raiders, tight end. Darren Waller. And Darren Waller. He picked three people to talk, and I got to talk to him. You That's know, awesome. I mean, and I, I, I will not. Every single moment that goes by, if I have a chance to fight for these people. Um, if you've ever heard of the rapper Kalichi, he's a rapper who's in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chase, actually, my friend um, Travis Gilbert, who runs Climb for Recovery, is, he goes on tour with him, and he's getting me a bunch of autographed shirts that I'm going to use for my auction to help raise money for our group, which is great. <laughs> but one of one of his lyrics to it, I'm here to be the voice for every friend I've ever lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I do. That's it. You want to say a couple of their names? I, I do. And every day I have a different color shirt and every one of their names are on the back of the shirt. Um, hoodies. This is last year's hoodie. I, I wear them everywhere. Everywhere I go, I have one of the either a different color shirt or hoodie. And I wear it every single day. It's powerful stuff, brother. Sorry, Ash. Can you tell us a couple of their names? Um, I will start off with Catherine Ames Peters. Um, she was my high school sweetheart. And this, this is an awesome story, though. Um, she was my high school sweetheart, and we both had issues with substance use, and we split up. Um, she ended up marrying my best friend. Um, and I ended up having a child on a one night stand with another woman, but we always stayed friends because she married my best friend and her son is marrying my daughter and we have a grandchild together. So we have a grandchild, not the way we thought we ever would, you know? And so it's kind of awesome that it came back that way. And I will always cherish Catherine. I will. Um, her family is my family, Loris and Doris and, her sister Kendra and her boys, Scotty, Ty, and Sebastian. Um, they're my family. And up here in Maine, our community's tight. And but they, they, they are. Um, Jesse Harvey, like I said, Terry Morissette, um, Travis Mills, Katrina Seymour, Ashley Rulo. Um, I don't want I don't want anybody to get mad because I don't say I mean there's hundreds of names. Shane Mills, uh, Chanel DeGrace. Um, Scotty Eminem, Scott Stevie Bowie, uh, my friend Matt Harrington, my friend Matt Kemp, my friend um, JJ Myers, Michael Myers, uh, yeah, um, Jason Myers. There's Jason Myers and Michael Myers, they're brothers. That's a great name, huh? But JJ, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Michael and Jason, um, Gary Whiteboy Jones, Garrett D, Dale Billiold, Heidi Carver. Greg Brackett. I mean, the, the list just goes on. And I knew 90% of these people, which um, at the, I'll say it's been a couple weeks now, but for, it was like 70 straight days. I lost 48 friends in 70 days, 70 days. It was, and there's, depending on whose theory you follow, there's between five and 13 stages of grief. I follow one that does seven. And the first stage is shock and anger. And then 
we I, I didn't even have a chance to get out of the first stage before I was shocked and angry again. And then again, then again. So we and then with COVID, you didn't get to deal with anybody dying. You didn't get to say goodbye. Um, and I was incarcerated. You don't get to do. So there was friends that I didn't get to see that were lost. Like my friend Billy Wilcox right now. Billy was one of the first four people of my our group. And he just passed away a couple weeks ago. And I've known Billy my whole life. And he was doing phenomenal. And he stumbled for one day. And he passed away. And his celebration of life is Saturday. And at least I'm going to get to go say goodbye to him. You know, and we didn't get to do that for a long time. And as people with substance use disorder, we can't hold that stuff in. We can't. And sometimes I go outside and I just scream. I just, I, I holler. My daughter made me, like my granddaughter, we go around and we find the painted rocks. So I bought my granddaughter a painting kit. So my daughter made some for me. One says the F word, one says the bitch. <laughs> one says kiss my ass. And whenever I get mad, she tells me to go huck them at a target I got. You know, take all your astray, hollow that swear word and just huck that rock as hard as you can. And it, it honestly works. I, I, I go, I fish a lot. Um, I do, I tell everyone, you know, we have to practice. That was one thing I learned from Carrie. Carrie wore every hat there was. She, no matter what it was in recovery, in house community, no matter what it was to help a person, it didn't matter what it was, Carrie would help. But she never helped herself. And so now I preach self-care. I do self-care Sunday because I play softball on Sundays. It's the one, one of my true enjoyments is playing softball. I go fishing, um, but I make sure I still keep my phone on because if, if there's an emergency, I, I want to be able to, you know, help somebody. But I learned, uh, I now have a board in my group. I never did. I tried to do everything myself. And I was headed down the same path as Gary. And I've already tried to commit suicide once. And I, I, I wouldn't be able to handle the pressure that I get sometimes from the group. And I am so thankful that these people and the people that are in the board, I'm going to say that Zoe, Heather, uh, Ryan Page, Sarah May, I, I mean, Carrie was, Molly White. These people also wear 10 hats. So it's a very diverse but well-versed group that are all about other people. And it's absolutely beautiful. And I can't thank them guys enough. Yeah, like you said it earlier that you don't use he, he, him, his for your pronouns, right? It's we, we are us and ours. Yep. It's awesome, dude. And I, and, I, and I really try to stay. I do. Sometimes I notice like I'll start talking. But when I say I am me, I'm referring to when I was doing bad. But right. when we're doing something as a community, it's we, it's us, it's ours. But if it's me and my or I... It's, I was an asshole. My habits forced me to do that. It wasn't you. It was me who stole that, you know? And so it just shows how I changed and evolved over the years. I'm now 
on August 29th, I'm going to be a sophomore in college. I ain't been to school <laughs> five years. And I'm taking, uh, I'm going to get a master's degree by this time next summer in high That's risk awesome. management and social services. And I'm going to go back to being the unhoused community. And I, I go back there at least once or twice a month and do outreach anyways. But I'm going to go back there because nobody, I didn't know what was there for me. All I knew was, did somebody steal my shit out of my tent today? You know, that's what I knew. Because sadly, when you're unhoused, it's probably the lowest thing you can do is steal from another unhoused person, but it happens. And so I try to, we have some really good people up in Maine. And if I say I'm going to do outreach, we have a group called Maine Needs. My friend Donnie, Danny Laverty, she's part of Maine Needs. And they just socks, backpacks, tents, tarps, you know, help us with food. You know, it's, it's absolutely, the community in Maine is very loving. And that's what I love about Maine. But now it's getting bad because a lot of people, Maine, Portland's like the sixth best place to visit in the United States right now. And people come up here and say, oh, this is nice. Now everybody from out of state is moving to Portland. So it jacked up the rents in Portland. So anybody who, and we don't have engineering jobs. We don't have manufacturing jobs here and we can't afford the rent. So everybody's getting drove driven. Like that's why I'm moving. My, my rent went up. My rent was $1,300, everything included. Now it's 1750, nothing included. And I'm disabled. Mm -hmm. I lived on a fixed income. There is no possible way I can afford that. So I have to move up into the woods. Well, no, it's not the woods, but I'm moving. I've lived in Portland. I was born here. My, my granddaughter marks seven generations living in Portland. And now I have to move out because there is no affordable housing. And, and I don't that think sucks. that's right. Yeah. I mean, our prices right now are rivaling New York City, which is ridiculous. I mean, well, thank God you built such an amazing community around yeah. yourself now. Yeah. I, because I, I, that's going to come in handy. Like, look, Jason, at Jason, it already did. I was going to be homeless. And my friend Jeremy Hiltz, who runs Recovery Housing in Maine, and he runs all, he, he's in a little bit of everything too, but he runs Recovery Housing in Maine. He said, Randy, I want you to come up here and work. Well, I have a place for you. And I thought he was going to put me in a sober house. And I, and I don't know if I could do a sober house, you know, I, I don't. Yeah. And I told him, I said, you know, and he explained, he goes, no, I own a house. And your cousin Timmy runs one of my sober houses. And another guy, it will be the three of you in there. And I said, well, I don't want to work for you. I, I, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing for free. I enjoy, he goes, I don't, he goes, don't worry about it. He goes, I love what you do. Just keep doing it. So. I thought I was going to be unhoused again. And if I was, I, I would have been dead. So I cannot thank Jeremy enough for what the opportunity that he offered me, you know, and like wow. I said, when we were in the preview, I'm also going to a place that really needs to help. And Lewiston Auburn area really does need to help. And I'm excited to go up there. And that's where the church of safe injection is. There's a place called the rest center where my friend Molly, Zoe and Tiana and Marshall volunteers there and Jeremy Hilt. I mean, Johnny, um, John Reynolds, which is here. He works at the Augusta Recovery and Reentry Center, which is 
not only for people in recovery, it's for people re-entering from the prison system, which is big to me. I go, because I live right next door to our Wyndham prison. I mean, I literally live a mile from there. And as soon as somebody knows they're getting out, I have a guy friend who's in charge of the mail, and I have a girlfriend that's in, so they'll message me and say, hey, we got somebody getting out. We will get them into a sober house, get them clothes, get them phone, get them food for the first couple of weeks. We'll get them a job. We, we, we'll do, I will pick them up and drive them. Maine, the top of Maine could take me 12 hours to get to. I will drive them to 410 if I have to. If it's going to help them, because nobody helped us. Hell yeah. That's what we do. That's awesome, dude. You know, I think about this like God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Mm. He took you. He gave you this mission and just opened every possible pathway for you, dude. Like, I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're just doing it out of the kindness of your heart and for compassion for other people. And, dude, you, you're already Wait. making so... Yeah, but you are an instrument. I I am the lucky guy who gets to be the messenger boy. You are an instrument. You are a conduit of God's grace, you know, to the community around you. And as a result, you're getting to meet so many amazingly inspiring people that are helping lift you up, helping guide you, helping teach you how to, you know, equip you to do this stuff better and better. I'm really looking forward to watching your journey from here on, dude. Now, you know what I mean? Like, it's I, I, awesome. I, I'm, I'm, I'm astounded myself. I really am, Jason and Ashley and Brett. I, I, I hear other people's stories, and uh, hey, I see Tim's here. Tim's part of my group. Um, yeah. What's up, Tim? He's part of the Recovery Advocacy Project too. Um, yeah. But I hear other people's stories, and. I say we're all like an onion. The more you peel it back, we're all the same in the middle. And I'm a firm <laughs> believer that most, if not 90 to high 90% of all substance use disorder starts in our high school years. Um, so I started a group, a subgroup called the Truth Tellers, where I took all recovery coaches and powerful speakers and we want to go to high schools and we want to educate kids. And we had, we, we decided to do this late in the year and Westbrook high school and the partners, Westbrook partners for prevention, because that's where I sort of live right now. Um, Jeanette DeSova reached out to me and said, Hey, we'll let you do it. And we went in there and we talked to the juniors and seniors and every teacher guidance counselor, um, Every student were engulfed, absolutely. And it was the first assembly they had since they were back in school after COVID. And they, every one of them shut their phones off. Every one of them sat there and listened and asked questions. And um, we had like my friend, Brandon Brown, Brandon Brown, star athlete, full boat to division one for basketball blew his knee out in his last practice of high school basketball. Got put on Oxycontins, almost killed a guy, went to jail for most of his life. Just got out. While he was in jail, got his PhD. He flies around the United States right now while he's on bail and speaks at schools. It's absolutely amazing that people can do this, you know, and 
I, I'm just a firm believer that education is key. Um, we're training kids on how to use naloxone now. Um, we, I, I, I wouldn't go into training kids on safe injection. I don't think that's proper yet. But I, I, I'm a firm believer that any, because my friend Carrie, who I just keep talking about, she was roommates with my friend Molly and Jesse Harvey's graduate. It was Jesse Harvey's graduation and the University of Maine honored his graduation because he was such an inspirational person in the recovery community. Even though he died, they were still giving him his degree. And we went, his mother, Catherine Nash, invited a bunch of us to go and have dinner. And Molly was his best, I mean, Carrie was his best friend and Carrie didn't show up. And Molly's daughter at 14 years old had found her because they all lived together. And Jaylen is her name. And this only happened a month and a half ago. And she spoke at the Governor's Opiates Summit at 14 years old about harm reduction, using the locks on, teaching it to kids. There was a whole kids panel there. It was absolutely, I mean, some of these kids were seven, eight years old. We don't realize how much kids actually see and understand. And like I said earlier, we need to educate them if we want to have a chance in this war. Because right now, I, this is an apocalyptic event. We are, the definition of apocalypse is losing an entire generation. And we are losing an entire generation of people between 18 and 50. And it's sad. And it's, you can add up all the other ways that people are dying. And that's still less than overdose. And like I was talking about earlier with xylazine, it's only going to make things worse because now not the locks on and arcane aren't working to stop it. So expect those numbers to spike. Um, and somebody uh, did post in the comments earlier that there is an antidote for that for the xylazine. Yep, but they said that it's not. Uh, yeah, that there's. There you go. Can you read that? Yep, and that's what I was talking about. I didn't know there was one. And you know what? I'm, I'm, you know what really gets me? And I understand because my sister's a diabetic. I hate that argument when people say, why isn't naloxone free when my diabetes medicine costs so much? I, we advocate for everything we get. If that's, I, I feel for diabetics. I do. And they should, I think all healthcare should be acquirable and affordable. I really do. But to save the lives, it's just that important right now. And if the antidote for the xylazine, it's, it's brutal right now. And if there's no other way to stop it, then they got to mass produce it. Just like here in Maine, when COVID first hit, that test, the, when they first came out with the test things and the quick injection, that was made here in Maine. And we, there was a huge, I mean, the, the president came and said, oh, we need you to do this. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I see Amanda Lynn's here. She's from, she's amazing. Uh, she, she, she's awesome. She's helped mm -hmm. me so many things. Cause I'm, I was a street dude my whole life. Like I told you guys. So it helps having somebody like her who's very well-educated and well-versed and knows the ins and outs. She's showing me how to become a nonprofit. She's showing me how to do these things, fundraisers to do those things. And I, she's another one. I can't thank enough. Thank you, Amanda. Coming. It's so awesome how much they support you. 
and and how uh everybody's showing up to cheer you on you know because that's important too you know i think it's easy to let this shit you know that insecurity inside that's always whispering you know to shut let it shut you down and it's awesome to have people that are uh in your corner that are egging you on that are pushing you to to be the voice and to and to not shut down uh you're you're accomplishing great things together as a result exactly beautiful man it's together and i'm i'm preaching that to every single group i mean i would love to see maybe not recover together but I would love to see right from Maine to California, just every group, just we all have the same friggin' battle. We're fighting the same war. Yep. You know, just I, I have an issue with the two big organizations with alcohol and substances where they pit against each other. I really do. <laughs> right. um, I'm not same team, that. dude. Same exactly. team. Exactly. We're, we're the home team and we're getting our asses kicked. Yeah. You know, and, and we want to win. We want to have a chance. Come together. Work as one. And I think Maine's starting to really do that. Because if, like Amanda runs a group, if she needs help with something, she posts it and recover together. And the need gets met from either the one of the 2,700 people in it or one of the 60-something groups that are in it. You know, whether it's a question, whether we don't, we, our board because we got flooded so much. So we don't do like GoFundMe's and stuff like that. Like I'll share them on my personal page, but people can message me and say, you know, I'm homeless, I don't have a tent. So then I'll go to the board and say, you know, can we fundraise for a tent? And I let them make the decision. I don't, because I would say yes to everything. I would say absolutely. But I let the board say, okay, yes, that's a viable cause. But when I first started, somebody said, I'm out of gas. I need, can you send me 20 bucks? I sent them 20 bucks. They went and got dope and, overdosed thank god they didn't die but i learned a very quick lesson that day and so now the people in our group our family trust our board to make those decisions and we we do it daily and i could i like i said i can't say enough good positive things about the way this group is run and the way that we all do for each other we have, we don't, we adhere to every pathway. We have one rule. The only rule we have, hate is not allowed. If you, that's the only rule we have. Hate is not allowed. If there's a bad comment, if you see a post and you don't like it, just go by it. Because if you make a bad comment, I'm going to delete it. And then I'm going to PM you and say, you know, we can't really do that. But in the, in the almost two years, I've had to talk to two people. That's it. That's, that's absolutely mind blowing to me that people could hear to that and it's nothing but love. I want to make sure that you know that you do self care. I know you talked about how you do it sometimes, but you don't put your phone down. But I just want to make I, sure. I haven't touched my phone the whole time I've been sitting here. But I, no, I just want to, I want you to know you're valuable. It. I do. I keep looking at it every time it lights up. You are valuable. <laughs> And you bring so much to this world that to get bogged down where the world would lose you would be a tremendous loss. So I hope you take care of yourself. 
Ashley, thank you. I, I, yeah, I can't. Thank you. Um, but also, like I said, I'm just a lucky guy who gets to be the poster boy. I, I can't put it any other way. I, because I'm, I'm like I said, I, I don't work. I live off disability and I have, I'm budget, you know, I have a budget and that's how I survive. But if I have $75 in my budget and somebody needs a night, like one of the big things I'm on is domestic violence. That's how I ended up homeless the first time because on Christmas Eve, this was 1982. I lived in Massachusetts. I was 12 years old and on Christmas Eve, my mother's and her at the time drunk cocaine fueled boyfriend really kicked her ass broke her arm beat her with the christmas tree broke every present over her head and i came down and stabbed him with a fork and my mother chose him over me and threw me out that night and but that's how it was i mean women so now to the point where like if a woman if a woman calls and or pms me and says you know, I need a pepperoni pizza or just give me the code that she's being in serious trouble. I will take my last cent and go get her a motel room for the night or get her into something. I do, I, don't, I do not care. I will be broke for the next year if that's what it takes for me to get a person out of that situation. And that's just because that's trauma to me. And usually there's kids involved. So I don't, I just, I Touching kids and touching a woman just don't fly with me. That, that's bottom line. You know, that's, I am saying me, me, my, I, if I see it, I'm going to jail. Yeah. Yep. There's nothing else I can say about that because it takes me to a whole different place. And it's probably because of what happened to me when I was a kid, the PTSD that I sustained from it and the trauma that really fucked me up. Yeah. I, and like I said, I've never had, I have brothers and sisters. I never knew my dad. He would, he was it. And my daughter did a, one of the DNA tests for, to surprise me because my mother told me my dad had died. And so I never looked for him. But my daughter did a DNA test for me for my 50th birthday and found out I got like 13 brothers and sisters. And my dad had just died a few years ago, even though my mother told me he had died 30 something years ago. So I could have met my dad, you know. I, so I mean, now, now, so it was hard for me to get close to anybody. But now I have my daughter. Um, I tell you a little bit about her. Okay. So on July twenty fourth, which is in three days, my daughter's birthday is July twenty fourth, and three years ago I was homeless, helpless, and high. And I was supposed to take my daughter out for her birthday, but couldn't do it unless I got well first. So I went to see my dealer and ended up taking all the money I had thinking I could flip it before I ran into my daughter and I didn't. And I ended up doing a shot of carafentanil to kill myself because of my depression. Um, a random person found me and saved my life called 911 and gave me CPR until the EMTs got there and 
EMTs. I guess I woke up and I've never been Narcane before. And I, I, all I can remember was my body temperature feel like I didn't have one till it was 500 degrees. And I woke up and the, the EMT like literally said, shit, he's alive. He couldn't believe that I came back. And he told me, he goes, I've never seen somebody as gone as you were come back. And I didn't hear any of that or I wasn't paying attention because all I knew was I had a pocket full of drugs and I was street smart and I knew I could sign myself out of the ambulance. So I did. And when I did, I opened the door and there was a police officer there with all the drugs I had in my pocket to, well, you know, going to hospital, you're going to jail. And the EMT said, the Narcan's probably going to wear off. He's going to probably go back out. And they still took me to jail. Um, and by the time I got into jail, the Narcan wore off. I didn't go back out, but I was high. I was really high. And all I wanted to do was go to my cell. And I didn't know any phone numbers. I mean, with today's modern technology, everybody's phone numbers in your cell phone. So you just look up their name. And I didn't know no phone numbers. And I ended up going to jail thinking, okay, it's Sunday. I'll get go to court tomorrow. I'll be on myself or I'll bail myself. You know, I'll do something. <clears throat> they decided that they were going to globalize all my charges. And it took six months for them to globalize all my charges. And I never was able to contact my daughter. Um, so she was at the place where she was supposed to meet me, where I was supposed to take her out. Knowing I was homeless, knowing I was a person who battled substance abuse disorder. And then not hearing from me for six months, she thought I was dead in a tent somewhere and nobody was ever going to find me. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you sharing so raw and honest, man. You know, we would never try to get you to share more than you feel comfortable with. No, I, I that, I think, like I said, and all the platforms, if me opening up and telling my story helps just one person, then then I'm gonna do it. I mean, I was as a child. One person knows is one, my psychiatrist, which I need to start seeing again. I was mentally, physically, and sexually abused as a child. And well, nobody knows that, you know what I mean? Now, everybody here knows it. You know, I don't know how many people are here, but we, it happens. It does. And I've kept that. My, the only person who knew was my psychiatrist that I was sexually abused. And now, if me saying that, helps one person then then it was worth me saying um, yep. it didn't help my mental health illnesses um, <laughs> no. obviously not uh, trust issues and it was a family member so you know so, same so I mean it, so I don't I never knew how to handle family you know I got married okay I was married for 10 years you know why I married her? She had an unlimited amount of Oxycontins. She ran out, I got, I divorced her. Hmm. That's all I knew. I was a piece of shit. I, I was the worst of what society had to offer. And I can be honest about that now. And I try to make amends every day. I'm not, I'm, I, 
I don't want to offend nobody, but I'm not a religious person. But I see higher power stuff all the time. You know, I, I really do. And maybe I need to open my eyes, you know. But I'm an overthinker, and I, I analyze everything. I, there has to be an explanation. There has to be. And I have to know the answer. So I always try to figure it out. And that's detrimental to me. It, it, it is. I don't sleep because of it. Um, when I did drugs, it, I stopped thinking. I didn't care what, you know, whatever. But like, I'm already overthinking about me saying that I was sexually abused. You know, my, I got 10 people in my head and nine of them are telling me I'm an asshole right now. And one of them saying it's about time. You know, so and I, I'm not schizophrenic. You know, it, it's just I'm a firm believer that every person with substance use disorder has some kind of mental health issue. I I really do. Yep. And like I told you earlier, I come from an interracial family. So in Maine in the '70s, there was five black families, and the KKK was dominant here. And I would, my doc, my sister, she's American. She's only a year younger than me, my sister Dawn. And we don't look a lot alike. She has a different, you know, and we would be walking down the hall, just going down to school. And somebody would say a racial slur. And I would get suspended for beating the shit out of the person. Same thing ended up happening. I would go to jail. When we got older, I would go to jail. But I was the troublemaker. I have a stack of assaults like this and not one of them is because I went and beat somebody up. It was for protecting a woman, protecting a child or somebody was doing something morally wrong and I stood up for that person. Do you know what month July is? Huh? Do you know what month July is? I, the day, month that I'm in recovery and the month my daughter's birthday? Um, Min- Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Okay. So, I, I know that May is they do mental health in May too, right? Is it? Well, mental health awareness month is in general then, but it's especially for minorities. Oh, minorities. So like yeah. indigenous people. Yeah. yeah, we're doing, we're actually doing a thing down at like, it's not like New York's part, but we have Daring Oaks and we're doing um the last day of the month, we're doing a big minority thing and we're doing, we're going down and we're doing a park cleanup because where a large amount of the unhoused community lives so obviously there's orange needle caps everywhere there's old rigs there's cookers there's all the drug stuff all over so we're going to go and clean it all up the day before um and it's been brutally hot up here so we go and we try to do hand out waters um person that i was homeless with um, Jimmy Balonzo, he just passed away. His mother died. And then two days later, Jimmy died. And his sister, Kayla, asked me to go do outreach with him. So we're going to do, I reached out to a bunch of different groups and we're going to do a hot meal. We're bringing a bunch of tables down there. We're going to have just people, regular people from the community sit with the unhoused community. We're all going to just sit there and we're going to have a nice hot meal together. And we're going to hang out and just be real. And 
too many people that I was unhoused with. I was unhoused a long time, but since fentanyl has hit the scene, it is killing every person I knew that was unhoused. And for the people who have made it out of there, remarkable. Well, there's, you know, a lot to be said about, you know, wellness and having a house and physical safety is huge for finding wellness. It's really hard. Three hearts in a cot. And that's why I appreciate everything I got. I mean, I don't have much, but I got a roof over my head. I have my dog, my, you know, I have to love my daughter, my granddaughter. And I eat. I don't need anything else. I, I don't. I learned I never had anything. So now I'm living like a king with nothing. But I live and I enjoy life. You're bringing a lot of good to the world. We. Oui. Yeah, we. Oui. <laughs> Amen. Dude. So if anybody's listening and you would want to tell them something, what would you want to tell them? I, I'm, I'm going to say the self-care thing, but I just want everybody to know that if you're a person with substance use disorder, we we all get knocked down. We all get, we all fall down. Every single one of us. I fell down a thousand times, but I got up a thousand and one. Don't be scared to reach out. Don't be scared to admit that you messed up. Open up, deal with it, face it, and move forward. It because. Jails, jails, death, and institutions is where we're at. And you're playing, right now you're playing Russian roulette. And it's a sad truth. I don't want to, I can't say it any other way. The odds are better that you're going to die than you're going to live now. And I, I understand. I laid three inches from my own vial for hours because I was dope sick. So I understand 100%. To get the only reason I got past that 72 hour bitch is because I was in jail for six months. And every other time I got out of jail, I went right back to the streets. Or I did drugs while I was in jail. And for some reason this time, I didn't. And I and I credit my probation officer. I do. She, like I said, she told me to take she goes, take your recovery coach class. And like I said, I did it to kiss her ass. But it was the best thing I ever did in my life. It was. And I am so thankful that she did that for me. Yeah, I can relate, man. When I took the Recovery Coach Academy, I was pretty freshly clean myself, and I didn't have any self-worth or self-love or feel like I had any like value to offer anybody. And the people that were in that class uh, they treated me like an equal, you know what I mean? And it was eye-opening. It was so eye-opening to learn all that stuff. It just blew my mind, and I felt valued and respected. And it definitely is an experience to go through that everybody should do. I think. I, I was worried that, I mean, at the time, I think I was fifty, and I was a person that was homeless and I was an addict, 
I was expecting it to be all like college kids and doctors and psychologists and shit. Right. And I was real nervous about going. And then I got in there with everybody that was just like me. It it was actually refreshing. And that's how I got my good friend Ryan Page because they put us in a breakout room and me and him share the same reborn date. Okay. Same back then, you know, so we just hit it off. And he's the, he's actually the president of my group. You know, he, because he, he, like I said, I was a crack dealer, so I hid in the shadows. Ryan's the kind of guy that likes to be out in front of people, you know, so he, he's a very good talker. He's well-versed. He's charismatic. So, and he knows his shit. So I always put him out in front and he, he did a lot for me and I appreciate it. Right on. But this guy right here saved my life every day. If you don't have a, if you have any kind of mental health issues, this, this is where it's at, though. What's his name? Grats. It's a demon's name of all things. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Drax. Look, they're talking to you. <coughs> Anything else you guys wanted me to touch on? I'm an open book. I love this stuff. How how, how about I ask you mm. how how is how does detox work where you guys are from? Is it easily accessible? Is it covered by like state insurances? Because we don't have any of that stuff. And where I'm part of the advocacy, we need to ask other states how it works for them and how they're doing. Well, I guess I'll I'll start. Uh, we got a ways to go in Minnesota, but there's a couple facilities where you can walk in and get immediate services that I know of. Uh, only two, eighteen hundred Chicago and uh, unit the Unity Hospital in Fridley, where they have a detox center in their facility and a extended treatment center and an IOP program all connected to their hospital. So you could literally walk in the door, but I think it has to be alcohol related or, uh, you know, opiate related. If you try walking in there cause you're overdosing on meth, they're going to be like, we don't know what to do with that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, there's a long ways to go and it, and it does suck. You know, you still deal with the, with people having to wait to get a bed and shit like that, so. And like I said earlier, if you if you're not right on it, then the odds are nullified of the person wanting to bed the next day. Right. Yeah. So uh, Courtney Allen, like I said, runs our MRAP. She's the chair. Um, she brought that up in a Zoom today that you know our hospital should have its own just for opiates and alcohol. It shouldn't be just going to an emergency room because if we when you, we go to an emergency room, we get left in the hallway on a fucking gurney. And we're left there jonesing so everybody can look at us. And obviously, in this emergency room, they're going to take the most important emergency first. They don't think the person that's detoxing is an emergency. Right. Not with stigma. You know, they're like judging, <laughs> right? Yeah, I feel it. It's, it's, there's a lot of work to be done, brother. And that's why I'm grateful for people like yourself that are willing to 
step up and and kind of devote. I mean, you're devoting everything to this. Um, I'm all in, bro. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I I try to devote as much as I can myself, but it's like I also am trying to balance that with family and a really demanding career and all these other things, right? Uh, fatherhood. So it's like, I wish I could do more, but at the same time, and to your point, self-care is huge and you want to find balance in life. You got to have balance. So, you know, it is what it is, but. And I, and I understand that because when the oxys came, that's what really I got. I was, I was doing 800 milligrams a day just to get off my couch, just to get up in the morning. I was doing 1080s, but I was, I hid that. Nobody knew. I, people that I worked with did. I was making $100,000 a year. I was a supervisor at a place here called Emory Waterhouse, which I was the inventory control supervisor, and I handled over $107 million worth of inventory a year. Plus, I worked full-time for UPS on the warehouse overnight. So I was working two full-time jobs. I, I went. I got married in St. Thomas. We honeymooned in the Bahamas. I mean, I, I lived a good life, and nobody knew that I had these issues. And... Then, like I said, the oxys ran out. Um, I divorced her. She took everything I had. And then my depression kicked in. And then I ended up homeless. And I was stuck from there. But I I lived a good life. And I, and I enjoyed it. But I'm older now. And if I to get to that final stage of Zen is to be at peace. And to give back. And just to be good with whatever you do and i'm absolutely good with what i do and Amen. i i truly love doing what i do and i've got a thousand jobs a thousand different jobs and this one i don't get paid for and i like it more than any job i've ever had in my life there's something to be said for fulfillment right and that's that's such a beautiful thing to have in your life gratitude to feel fulfilled you know, is something that is priceless, dude. And you can make all the money in the world and be miserable, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. And we love that. You love this. I love you too, man. Um, it, it, it's just morally right as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. One of the steps is you make amends and then the next step is you seek to heal those amends. I say, my name is Earl. I don't know if you ever seen that show. My name is Earl. He goes and yeah. Up for all the <laughs> if I see some odd dot, like if I go into Portland, which is our major city, there ain't a street in Portland that I didn't trap out of at least two or three houses on that street. And I, I'll see people that I mean, still to this day, like people will message me and say, "Hey, can you?" And I'm like, dude, I ain't fucking sold drugs in three fucking years. You know, right. where the hell you been? You know, but so I, I see people all the time that I know yeah. I fucked over. So I try to. Yeah. I still, like I said, I got 32 more years of making up. I got to get even with the house before it's my judgment day. Well, you ain't alone, man, and I mean, I know personally I can relate to what you're you're saying. So. <laughs> 
same here, you know, and there's always going to be people that'll remember you, the old you, you know, not and, and not believe that I'm clean and, try to and, and it is what it is. Amen. I learned not to one of the, like I said, telling you, I do the thought of the day. And one of them was, who cares what other people think? Right. If you know who you are in your heart and in your soul, and you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, don't let other people bother you. You know, honestly, and it's hard to do. It is. It's very hard to do. But it, it's the truth, you know. And when you can get to that place and realize, you know, this guy's calling me a piece of shit and saying I'm a liar because he's just upset with himself. And I know I used to lie to cover a lie. And I learned as long as I tell the truth, I ain't never lying. Yeah. <laughs> when I was actively using, I think the big thing for people in recovery is accountability. Because we, when we're when we're in active use, we aren't accountable. We aren't, and that is one of the main things. I accountability, loyalty, and honesty are the three things I strive by. If I say I'm going to do something, it's something. If I'm not there and I say I'm going to do it, then something happened, and then people need to worry about where I'm at. Yeah, and that's the way I, you know, because I do, and. When a big thing, when you're on the street, all you have is your word in your name. And because you don't own nothing, you don't have nothing. So if you can't have an, if you can't have your word, then you ain't shit. So I did get a lot. The people I was unhoused with are some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. And I, I'm sad that a lot of them are stuck. I'm sad that even more sad that a lot of them have lost this battle. But I celebrate with the ones that have climbed out of the trenches and every single one of them that I know, Steve Foley, um, Zach, and uh, just endless amount. There's just so many that are giving back. Joey and Becca, um, Teresa Dumont, Corey Gray. I mean, and every one of these people have become recovery coaches. Have given back to the unhoused community, you know. Have they're going to school to learn more? They do Zoom classes for recovery. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing that, like I said earlier, when we live this lifestyle, we gain that much more empathy, and we learn to be better human beings, and we're better for it because we don't judge. Yes. Agree. Yes. People I see really like thriving in life are the ones that are giving back. Ding! <laughs> I heard it. Oh, yeah. See, the bell's a good thing. Yeah. Not a negative. I, I like what he's been doing. I've been listening. I've been like, okay, <laughs> I made a good point. I heard a bell. <laughs> yeah. I've, heard a couple, I've heard a couple bells, all I'm saying. Yes. I like the physical bell. It's a nice time. So yeah, so I, I I posted something the other day, and it was a meme of a guy with a squeegee trying to stop the ocean, <laughs> the wave, the in, incoming wave, 
and I said, us as recovery coaches, we feel like this because we're losing so many people, but, but believe it or not, we are actually doing something. Yeah. You might not see it, but you are doing something. Don't stop. Just keep going. And that, that, I, it was a good response to that because Tom Thumb, I mean, he stuck a hole. How many holes can you fill? You can't fill them all yourself. We need to all do them together. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Okay. Since you wanted the hard ones. I I, I love this stuff. So since you mentioned mental health, do you think that the recovery community as a whole needs to focus more on mental health? Or do you think that it's okay that there's parts that don't address that? It absolutely has to be addressed. Absolutely. 125%. Um, It was actually brought up because we're trying to decide what we're going to advocate for in 2023. So we're doing listening sessions right now. And that's one of the big things. Um, if Whether you believe in the current president or not, during his speech, he said the two most important things that face in America right now is substance use disorder and mental health issues. The only other time I've ever heard a president speak on either one of those things none of you guys were born probably it was ronald reagan and all he said was say say no that's the only time that that was brought up no president has ever said mental health and finding a cure for substance use disorder are the top two things and i am a firm firm believer in both those things you know i'm not telling anybody who to vote for that's not what i'm about but i really appreciated what the president said on on his speech and that he addressed those two issues because they are absolutely what is killing America right now. Yeah, we're still trying to fix the stuff Ronald Reagan did. <laughs> All I know, man, is like mental health and substance use disorder are like peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like I like I said earlier that I I actually posted, do you think your your substance use came from mental health or PTSD? Because I was doing my own little poll. The majority of the people said, yes, absolutely. But there were some that said, well, no, you know, I started as just recreational and then I developed a mental health issue. Well, why were they wanting to use it recreationally? Were they pressure and wanting to fit in? But if you don't feel confident or comfortable without, then there's some anxiety. Actually, I agree 100%. And but some people just you can't. I'm not. I won't. I will not argue with people. I want constructive criticism. I I beg for it. That's one thing I want in the group. I want constructive criticism. I want people who think we're junkies, we're fucking worthless. Come in and tell me why you think that without being mean and let's have an adult education, an adult talk and let's educate each other and let's see if we can fix this. That's I want people to come in and question, why are you making um, safe injection? Why do you approve that? Well, it's getting this person to live till tomorrow. It's stopping the spread of AIDS. It's stopping the spread of hepatitis. It's they're going to use. If I can get them to stay alive one more day, and maybe they find recovery the next day, then I'm going to do that. 
I can't, like I said, I can't use harm reduction because I'm all in. But I will go to bat for harm reduction. And I will I will go to bat for MAT. Um, methadone kicked my ass. I'm not going to lie. But Suboxone saved me. And I weaned myself off of the Suboxone. And that, the last quarter strip was about a psychological battle I've ever had in my life. But I did it. And we do recover. We can. And when we do, if we recover loud and plug for Michael Paterford, recovery out loud. Um, if we recover loud and we try to educate as many people as we can, one person tells two people, two people tell four people, four people tell eight people. It, one of my favorite sayings is even a ripple can turn into a wave. And any platform I can use, like I said earlier, I'm going to use. I don't care if people want to hear me or not. I'm going to talk. Yeah. I said the more fucked up you were out there, the more valuable you are in here. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. Yeah. And it's so true. <laughs> it's, it's so true. You know, that was when I went to that Recovery Coach Academy. That's what I learned there. You know, I learned that my lived experience has value. And I didn't think it had anything for me except for pain before that. I, uh, yeah, dang. Um, like I said, I went to Governor Mills and they asked me to speak at the Opiate Summit like two weeks ago. And I, like I said, I never spoke in front of more than maybe 20 not a lot of people right. and I tried every possible way to talk myself out of going and the next day I said no I'm holding myself accountable I'm not gonna do it I got up there I had no money left in my pocket I had it's a couple hundred miles away I had nine gallons left in my tank but I got there and I had no idea how I was getting home couldn't pay the tolls didn't have no money for gas but I was there and I'm very glad I went and I just, it's one of them things. I just, I didn't want to go. I did. I, and I tried to talk myself out of it so much, but that me convincing myself so often since I've been in recovery, you're accountable. You're accountable. You said you're going to go. You need to be the voice. You told these people you're going to be the voice. Now get up and get the hell up there. Yeah. And I did. And one of the organizations that's part of the group actually paid for my gas for the way home. So thank God I got home, but it, it, it was good. And what I, I totally forgot what I, what you said was, how do I want to put it? Um, I said, I would always be the voice of these people. And I went on the very first time I went on the zone when it was a political thing, I had just joined me rap. They wanted me to tell my story about the, the free 911. I mean, the free phone calls in jail. We were trying to get it so inmates could call once a week a free call because I was never able to call my daughter and she thought I was dead. So I went on this Zoom and I spoke about my story. And um, it made me realize that you can't make a difference. Every person, 
So then I started thinking, okay, I'm just one person. How am I going to make a difference? Then I said, okay, Malcolm X was one person. Martin Luther King was one person. Oprah Winfrey was one person. Gandhi was one person. Princess Diana was one person. I'm not comparing myself with them. I'm just saying, other than Princess Diana, every one of them people were poor. Every single one of them people. My idol, Bob Marley, the real Bob Marley. Not the comedian from Maine who makes fun of Mainers, but the real Bob Marley. <laughs> right. I mean, he had nothing. And all he did was give back. His richness was not monetary. His richness was in life. It was in his spirit. And, and I will never be poor because I'm rich in life. And I want to spread that happiness, joy, and celebrate. Yeah. And you reach out, I'm pulling you out. Well, your soul shines, man. Keep shining that. Keep shining that. Hey, Savage. <laughs> yes. And keep showing up. I, sometimes I it's not a matter of being perfect. And sometimes I show up and I, I show up for other people when I should be showing up for myself. And I know that. And that's why I'm trying to, since Carrie passed away, I, I at least say Sunday I'm not doing anything besides Randy. Randy, self-care Sunday, do it. You can answer your phone, but delegate it to somebody else. Take care of myself. And since she passed away, I've done it every week. And I'm more at peace. I, I truly am. If you ever need someone to call or talk to. Thank you, Ashley. Call. I appreciate it. Yeah, keep I just appreciate brother. this show. I, I think the first time I watched the show, my, my friend Michael Patterford, he does a YouTube one called um, Recover Loud. And I was one of the first people on that. And um, then I he invited me to watch him on here, I believe it was, or Marshall. It might have been Marshall. But I, wa and I was like, man, I like this. You know, and then I reached out, I think it was to um, J.R. Weaver. And then I think he connected me with Brett. And then Ashley, and I was like, man, I, I really want to do this. And I'm, I'm very thankful that you guys invited me. I really am. I hope, I don't know who's watching. I don't know if there's anybody watching, but I hope it helps somebody. I really do. We're grateful well, you're here. Yeah, we we appreciate your time, man, and your vulnerability. And, dude, keep it up. Keep it up, bro. I will till I die, bro. You know, I Hopefully I'm not too quickly, but <laughs> I'm here. Amen. Amen. So, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I'm gonna go tonight. I'm gonna go to sleep tonight and be happy I made it through a day. And if I wake yeah. up tomorrow, I'm gonna be happy I woke up. You know, I, I live life by the day, by the moment. And you know, I, I am celebrating three years, hopefully in a couple of days. Um like I said, I'm a big sports fan and we're getting to go out to, we have the Red Sox minor league baseball team here. And it, we are going to be a complete recovery event. There's a whole bunch of us going out to throw out the first pitch of the game that are all celebrate recovery. And it's going to be on the scoreboard. And awesome. we're, we're making it known that I, we see enough bad on the news about substance use and death. We're trying to match it with as much good. Yeah, and the news is people are starting to 
come around. I mean, we still get arguments. We still get, but one out of seven Mainers is going to know somebody with substance use disorder. One out of 13 is going to know somebody who dies. Mm. And it's only getting worse. So they need to start listening to the experts. I, for years, once I got clean, said, you know, there ain't nobody more professional than me. You should be listening to me, me, Marshall, and Rosie Bryce. You know, we've been through hell and back for multiple, multiple years. You know, if you had a question, maybe you should ask us and not some 17, 18-year-old kid that's a freshman in college who never even smoked a joint. You know, maybe you should come ask us. And for years, I preached that, and nobody, they all turned at the end of me. And then they asked me to go to the opiate summit. And that's it. And like I said, I was trying to talk myself out of going. And then I, that, that popped in my head. Randy, you've been begging for this for years. And now you got a chance and you're not going to go. So I went. They listened to us. And that's big. Now, if I can get us into high schools, that's my next thing. Because the average starting age is 14 to 18. And well, I think it's huge that you're just grateful that they're listening you know i've seen a lot of people come into these situations with a chip on their shoulder because they weren't listened to for so long and it's like when you get mad people tend to stop listening so just being grateful that somebody is listening to you and appreciating that makes people listen more and i i think that's a great trait that you have and i think the politicians in maine maine's one of a handful of states that felons can vote so they have to listen to us because now there's more of us than there are of them. On, you know, main main felons can still vote. And I'm trying to get my felony exonerated because if you have fentanyl on you, it's an automatic felony. And the only fentanyl I had on me was what I tried to kill myself with. I wasn't selling it. I wasn't giving it to nobody. I purposely tried to commit suicide with it. And that's the only felony I've got in my life. I have, a, like I said, I have an extensive criminal record a lot of assaults, but to me, I, I would do the same thing again. Like I said, I, every assault I ever got was doing something that was morally correct. But I would love to get the felony exonerated. I would because I wouldn't hurt nobody besides myself. And I got caught with a point three, I think. Now it's legal to have a point two in Maine, you know, and I got caught with a point three of parafentanyl and it's an automatic felony. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe somebody will help you with that and get it. Yeah, and I, I actually brought it up because I'm also part of the main prisoners reentry network. And I brought it up in the meeting, you know, because I don't have to do any of that stuff about how to get a charge exonerated. And a couple people reached out to me. So okay. I might I might look into it because I do. I mean, I was in the military. I always carried it. You know, I, I had concealed weapons permits. You know, I and I'm responsible. I, you know. When I was homeless and active, I didn't carry a gun, obviously, because it was getting really bad. But I, I'm, I know that right from wrong. And for a while, I thought martial law was going to happen in the United States with the Black Lives Matter stuff. I, I really thought that things were going to get bad. And I come from an interracial family. If I would have heard some racial shit. I probably would have snapped. And I... I've, sir, I've done my time. I've done, I've admitted to everything I've ever done. 
I should be able to. No, I I don't think I should have that felony because, but there's all kinds of cases like that everywhere. That's just me saying that. If you have felonies, looking to get them exonerated. If you're advocate, if you run advocacy in your state, look into your state, making it so felons can vote. Um, like I said, Maine's one of a handful of states where felons can still vote. Uh, that's big because pretty soon there's going to be more felons everywhere than there are people without felonies. Right. We got Minnesota Second Chance Coalition here in Minnesota. That's what it's called, the Minnesota Second Chance Coalition. And that's their whole mission is, uh, you know, changing legislation around felon laws and things like that. You know, like it should not be a shadow that forever follows a person until their dying day. You know what I mean? It just shouldn't. People change. We do recover. You know, yeah, we have we have the we have Bruce Nott and Doug Dunbar, Brandon Toby, Johnny Clark. These guys, you guys are all great. Marshall, I mean, these guys all did serious time. And Brandon Brown, the guy I talked about earlier, you guys all did too. And every one of them, they're part of Maine Prisoners Reentry Network, the Maine Prisoners Advocacy Program. You know, MEPAC. You know, and they 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 are absolutely wonderful, and they. They're trying to do everything they can, so I can't. I thank them. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful for all that you're doing, and as always, I respect me rap. They're probably one of my favorite states. Well, thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure though uh, Courtney watches it so she hears it, because Courtney's my buddy. <laughs> they know they're the the big they stars. It sounds mm -hmm. like they, with the year that the, you guys have had out there, four for they're four. Gonna, they're, four they're for gonna, four last year. They're going to be the big star again this year. Yeah, we uh, were four for four on our app. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's awesome. Awesome. I and wanted to get things and We didn't mess around and take any small thing. Like now we're doing decrim. That's one of the ones where we started it a couple of years ago. And now we're, we're really going to get into the decriminalization, you know, and not arresting for a drug unless it's a significant drug dealer, you know? If it's just somebody who's flipping a gram so they can get a fucking hit, you know? I don't know, but that's that's the next thing we're doing is to de decrim and we're gonna, we're gonna go all in on that. Um, I've had people from other states reach out and ask what we're looking into and how we got the good Sam law passed and the actual word is the good Sam law, which that, I'm, I'm proud that I got to work on that. And yeah. it was funny because the first time when we, we did what was called a phone booth, where we called all the representatives and senators and stuff. And like I said, we swung 60% of the votes. And but all I was getting was voicemail. I was like, hey, I'm ready to be in, blah, 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 blah. You know, have you heard of uh, LD 1906? It's a good Samaritan law. And somebody finally answered and I was like, Whoa, and it threw me off. And it was actually my representative. And I asked what he thought about it. And he said he was going to vote against it. He goes, but I'll listen to you. And by the end of the call, he said, you know what? You changed my mind. I will vote yes for it. That's awesome. And I was completely exhilarated. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I, I absolutely was. And it, it, it was a good feeling, you know, that my voice was heard and that I was helping change things for the better 
Hell yeah. Well, keep it up, brother. You're going to be freaking first name basis with all those people up there in the Capitol. <laughs> I think the great thing about what I see, I mean, I'm not there, so I mean, I don't really know, but it looks like you guys work together so we, well. We team. absolutely do. We absolutely do. And that's what I was saying. That's why I absolutely, I'm, I implore other states to do that. Work as one. You guys might all run different recovery type styles and you might have different pathways and you might have different aspects, but we all have one common goal. Dude, that would be the ideal, in my opinion. The ideal situation is to have people that represent different pathways. And, and that's what I'm saying. Maine is doing it. And yeah, I, hell yeah. And everybody asked how we're doing it. When we went to Vegas, people asked, that is exactly how we're doing it. We don't. We don't maybe we feel like there's, there's other organizations that I have issues with. But I don't have an issue with what they're doing. I have an you know, and I will work with that organization to the, if it's going to help somebody, I will work with them. And they do the same with me. I'm sure people hate me. I, I'm absolutely sure all kinds of groups hate me because people come to our group for help instead of going to them. But then I refer them to them. So, but we're, we're, we're doing it. And if every state could work as a state and not as an individual, I, I seriously think that's takes an army yeah stronger together right totally ding yeah I, i'll <laughs> ding ding i'll agree with that one <laughs> that's been great having you here tonight no i, I don't know about y'all but i'm hungry i'm tired yeah i'm ready for a cigarette i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i know South Dakota had a huge success with whole court dui drug court program as a path for recovery not in see and that's that's exactly what we're looking for, Tyler. Um, it, it's it's a bitch, and it's a big thing to get off drug court. Yeah. When people get off drug court, it should be absolutely be celebrated because it is hard to do. Yep. And I I have real respect for those people. So, thank you. You said Dakota, right? Which one? Yep, South, South, Dakota. South Dakota. Okay, so I can look it up. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah, man. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Take care I, of yourself. I'm going to do real quick, though. My cousin, Trish Farr, said she just signed up. I guess she's going to mm -hmm. talk in September. Yep. yep. She's my cousin. Her and I celebrate the same recovery day. Her and our wife and me, we all were unhoused and did a lot of drugs together. And mm -hmm. we all got clean. She tried to kill herself the same day I tried to kill myself. And neither wow. one of us knew it. And we both got clean that day. Wow. Yeah. Mind-blowing. She messaged me last night because she knew I was coming on. She's like, oh, they just accepted me. So she's very excited that you guys accepted her. So thank you for that, too. Heck, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to meet you. Peace. I love you. We're going to be thinking hey, of you both in a couple days. What was it? We're going to be thinking about you both in a couple days for your three-year. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Woo. All right. I appreciate you guys. Take care, bro. Hey, bro, one question. So can now that this is over, can I go watch it? Yeah, you can watch it on Facebook or YouTube. Because okay. I don't, I want to make sure I don't look like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it ain't even over yet. He didn't do the. Whole okay, thing. now I'm making myself look like an idiot. <laughs> don't feel bad if you if you feel like I'm you savage. Don't. I can't help it, bro.
It's all, all right. Safe. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. And hopefully I'm here tomorrow. Take care, brother. Thank you for coming. Thank you, everybody who came and watched, too. Is right, you want to take us is off? This, is this music better, Ashley? I still don't know what your style is. I'm still trying to feel you out, Ashley. All right. Well, thank you to everybody that tuned in tonight. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, please be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn your notifications on so you know when we go live, which in case you guys haven't figured it out yet, is every Thursday night. If you guys would like to send us a voice message, you can go to the address that's on your screen speak us slash rrl and you can leave us a voice message we want to give a big thank you once again to randy for coming on tonight's show we appreciate the work you're doing thank you so much for coming on man you got you got real you got raw i was a little choked up there for a minute and uh just just appreciate you speaking from the heart i know you're going to help a lot of people with what you shared tonight and the work that you're going to continue to do so thank you randy and uh we will see you guys next thursday night remember progress not perfection baby steps are still steps that's right <laughs>